Hi there, Giel here. Thanks for listening. Can you feel it? Episode 8, which is a very special one because uh, this was during the Amsterdam Dance event, the launch of the podcast. So uh, this podcast is uh, a live recording with a live audience. You will hear it. Uh, Thank you so much, KRK, because it was in their showroom. And of course, thank you so much for these great G4 rocket monitors. All right. Today, two guests and two uh, really Great techno heroes from Holland. Can you feel it? Feel it? Can you feel it? It's the music of millions of people all over the world. Electronic dance music. In Holland we call it house music. It was my history. It was my youth. These were my records. Who am I? I'm Giel Beelen, a Dutch radio DJ. And I want to share and explore my musical history with you. Together with the biggest DJs. As you probably know, most of them come from Holland. Why is that? This little country in the west of Europe. And how did they all start? Can you feel it? The story of a Dutch DJ from the bedroom to the festival. Check this out. This is going to be a dance trip down memory lane. Uh, let's hear it for Jeroen Verheij, uh, Secret Cinema and Joris Vorn. Yeah, this is a, a special recording uh, because of the Amsterdam uh, dance event. Um, uh, we talk about uh, electronic dance music. And uh, Jeroen, uh, let's start with you. Do you still remember your first electronic, uh, yeah, your EDM, your, your earliest dance memory? Uh, yes, very clearly. And um, I was in Parkzicht. And Rotterdam, I was yeah. uh, 16 years old. And... Um, you know, I used to live in Den Briel, which is a village uh, 30 minutes from Rotterdam. And I had the, har- the, the garden uh, room. And so I had to go upstairs to my parents and say, hey, mom, dad, I'm home. Yeah. And then I left exactly uh, oh. straight back <laughs> onto Classic. the road oh, where okay. my older friends were waiting who had a driver's license. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, they brought me to Parkzicht. And uh, there, I, for the first time, I heard uh, Amnesia Ibiza. Ibiza. And then, yeah, I don't know what happened to me. I was like, yes, this is what I do want to do with my life. Yeah. I couldn't find any instrument that I liked, but uh, yeah, I found a computer and I could make music like that. That's uh, immediately what you thought at that first evening at Parkzicht. Now yeah. I want to make it. Yeah. Okay. That, that was it. I was together with, I don't know, people that I didn't know. And we were all with our hands in the air, you know, dancing on that one track. Yeah. And that feeling and that bass and, and, and you know, that whole uh, euphoria that, uh, yeah, it was like, okay, I want to do this for the rest of my life. I wow. just knew it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Joris, uh, do you still remember your earliest I dance think, memory? I think my earliest dance memory is probably he, as a um, 10-year-old hearing French Kiss on the radio. Okay, then. And I was like, I saw that the, weird the video clip. Hap- or, oh, no, yeah, what the hell is happening yeah. in the middle of that track? Yeah. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear anything else. I was like, that's something weird going on. But I think that's my, my earliest like real dance dance music memory and a track that I still play quite a, quite a few times a year until this day. Um, I think for the rest, I very slowly grew into, uh, I don't have one of these uh, epiphany moments, 
it very gradually and slowly um, went from listening to to more like um, radio, uh, I mean guitar music, yeah. to um, Nine Inch Nails, to to Chemical Brothers, to Underworld, to Dave Clark, to full on techno. Okay. So that that's kind of my and I think I never really had one of these club moments where I was in the club listening like oh wow this is it. It, it just went very gradually from. But you to, went to the club or parties? I guess so. Yeah, but like I, went, I used to go to my local uh, local like alternative club in Tilburg where I grew up and they were playing The Prodigy next to uh, yeah. Sepultura, you know, yeah. so it was one of these kind of places. It was on 013. Or, uh, no, it was, um, what is it called? I don't even remember. No, that, uh, was, that was not that. It was Nordlicht. Oh, yeah. Before uh, that was Nordlicht, oh, yeah. but there oh, yeah. was, it was something else even. Okay. And uh, what was the first moment uh, you thought, okay, I'm going to do uh, something with this or I'm going to... Yeah, yeah, uh, because I have to refrain, you yeah. know, that, that memory that I just told was... I want to make this music, yeah, but, but my earliest dance uh, memory was when I was 10 years old and I went to the record store and I bought my first 12 inch yeah. and it was actually divine. Oh, you yeah, know? more, and more disco. Uh, tight, <laughs> yeah, which yeah. I didn't know. I thought it was a woman, of course. <laughs> and then my mom was like, that's a guy. Yeah. <laughs> and last year I had to play at the gay uh, festival Milkshake. You yeah. Know? And then I had to close uh, one of the tents, and of course I closed with yeah. that vinyl that I still have. So, wow! Yeah, it was my earliest dance. <laughs> there was shoot your shot. No, it was uh, step by step. Oh, step by step. Even better, maybe. <laughs> okay. And um, well, uh, for you, Jeroen, what was the first moment you thought, okay, uh, I'm going to do something with it? Because uh, I asked for this series a lot of DJs, producers, and the most of them uh, started with producing, of course, you're uh, well, uh, the producer, the artist. Um, yeah, what was the first track? What did, did, uh, well, that, that was that uh, Amnesia Pizza track, um, you know, when I was in Park City yeah. and I heard that, then yeah. I knew, okay, I, wa I want to make this type of music. Yeah. Because my, my dad was a jazz uh, player, he played contrabass okay. yeah. in a jazz band, and it was quite successful, you know, it was just traveling around the country and, um, you know, playing sessions. And they also did like, you know, they, they, uh, they did some um, uh, practice and then we would move from one home to the other home. And then there were drums and there was a pianist and there was, you know, okay, like so all these kind of instruments. Yeah, yeah. But I could never find an instrument that I really liked. You know, I tried piano, I tried bass and everything. And then I heard that music, and then I found um, a computer, the Amiga 500, with 512 KB of main memory, you know? This was really, really <laughs> uh, far ahead. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I found out that you actually could make music with that. And then I was like, okay, this is uh, my dream, so let's try. And then, yeah, I could release a track with just that uh, computer and... Uh, here and we are. And, and yeah, exactly. And, and uh, you, you learned it all by yourself. Yeah, yeah. There was no, uh, no blogs or whatever, you know. So, yeah, I mean, you had to do everything by yourself. And it was basically just coding. Yeah. So, was, you know, lines of, uh, of code going down. But they would always have a, a little demo of how the program works yeah, yeah. with already samples in there. So, uh, yeah, you could see what these guys were doing and then you would copy it and make your own out of it. And then, yeah, there was this one guy in my uh, city who made a little sampler and then you could sample for like, I don't know, five seconds or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I took one track. It's actually Eon, I think, uh, something dancer. I don't mm -hmm. know. And it had a me 
sound in it. And then I pitched that down as much as possible and it became and that was my first record, Sonar System. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap. Yeah, that's the solar system. Oh, yeah. wow. So that's even a sample of the, of the yeah. sound of... A, yeah. Wow, wow, wow. Okay, uh, and for you then, Joris? Um, I, I think I started much later uh, making my own music. Uh, I was at art school in Enschede and I, I went to the library. I, I got a book about electronic music. It was a lot of German flyers and really crappy stuff. But there was one thing about how to make electronic music and it had a 303 in there i was like okay wow a 303 i guess i have to go to the shop and, and buy one so i went to the shop i said you guys have a 303 and the guy was laughing at me and he was like <laughs> he was like yeah a 303 you know what you're asking for right and then he said well i'm sorry we don't have these anymore at least not the tb one but we have an mc 303 which yeah. was just released that year i think 1996 which was uh, kind of like a workstation which did everything like synthesizer and uh, was it like the groove box uh, yeah. it's the groove box oh, exactly right. yeah okay then so that's i bought that i got it on credit which was like 10 or 15 percent my parents were completely crazily mad at me saying like why the hell did you spend 1500 euros <laughs> on this on this kind of stuff you're supposed to do your uh, study um, and violin <clears throat> well that's that that's, okay that's, that's later, later way, yeah. way, way before <laughs> but um yeah, that, that's that's how I started. And I, I took the machine home and I was working with it day and night. I had no idea what MIDI was. I didn't know what anything was. I didn't even know how to, to keep a note. So I, I just put a, a pencil on top of one of the keys to make sure that it wouldn't stop playing. Okay. I just really had no idea how this machine <laughs> wow. worked. You know, and then you just like slowly but surely I, I got into uh, uh, a bit of programming and playing and... I don't know. It's just like learning and learning, soaking it all up. Uh, I was about 19 at the time, and yeah, that's. I didn't make any real, real tracks with this, so it's not. I don't have like a real uh, record history with my, making my first real record on this machine. But yeah. at least it was for me like a, a learning curve how to get into electronic music. Yeah. Well, you you hear the difference here between the 90s and the zeros. Yeah. Uh, well, this this was actually 90s as well, but yours okay. 80s yeah. probably. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I I went to Parkzicht when it was like 88, I think. Okay. Yeah. But, uh, so Parksy, yeah. because later on Parksy was like really hard. Yeah, it became uh, Gabber yeah. and all that stuff. But it was actually Paul Elstock who uh, discovered me. Okay. Um, because, you know, th there were some local DJs who were playing already vinyls and stuff and there were parties going around. And then uh, one of them is called Paul Rose. And he said, you know, why don't you make a track with just one sound? I was like, okay, yeah, that's actually a good idea because that's the only thing I can do with that computer anyway. So <laughs> why not? And then, uh, yeah, I did that. And then I uh, sampled something from Meat Beat Manifesto. So I'm going to give a little hand clap. Yeah. And then I made that, uh, that track on the Amiga. And then he was playing it actually from tape, you know, like uh, a cassette. And uh, between all the vinyls. And then every time the track was on, the whole crowd was like, yeah. yeah! You know, like, okay, something is working. And then he said, yeah, go to Midtown and just uh, let them hear it, you know. And then Paul Elstock was working in that uh, store. And then uh, I said, okay, yeah, I have this demo. And I put it on. He was like, okay. You know, telephone. Uh, yes, uh, Rene, can you please come here? I think I have a really good demo. Okay, then. <laughs> and I was like, okay, this sounds good. And then, uh, yeah, they came and... Uh, that was the they start said, of okay, the Mang Syndicate. This is it? too hard for Midtown Records. Oh, yeah, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> and then Peter Slaghuis, you know, yeah. at house, he said, uh, yeah, I don't care. Uh, the harder, the better. Bring it to me. <laughs> and then, yeah, we did four tracks, and I went to his uh, studio somewhere in Nijmegen or something. 
and was he was super gay this guy you know from Jack to the Sun yeah, 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 yeah. and then he had a gardener who was gay and he had like a household who was gay <laughs> yeah. you know and but he had a huge studio with full of vinyls and SSL and whatever you know and he said okay well here's the equipment uh, uh, it's nice that you brought your computer in a Hema bag uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah uh, please sample everything and I've never seen all that equipment before in my life can you please reproduce that track, you know, so we can release it? And then I was sitting there the whole night and they went to some gay party on Wednesday night, you know, like, woohoo. <laughs> and then they came back and like, what, you're still here? Okay, let me listen. Is this all you done? Okay, fuck it. Let's just put it on. <laughs> and then they, they put it straight, you know, he was like, okay, we put the, 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 the RCA into the computer, yeah. into the mixer, EQ a bit. It's fun. fine. <laughs> and that was the track. Yeah, wow. it was super fun, you know. So, and that was on Hit House Records. Yeah, it was yeah, Hit yeah, House yeah, Records, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I remember he died very young. Uh, yeah, actually, because he picked me up from the station and he was driving like a maniac. Yeah, that was the you thing. You know, and he had also a gay friend with him and he was all the time, take it easy, take yeah, it easy, yeah, yeah. you know. And then in the end, yeah, he actually killed himself by driving too fast. It was a car accident yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, um, and, and uh, yours, what was then your first production? My first production, I think, was uh, when I, I moved to Rotterdam after living in Enschede for a while. And, because uh, of your study? Uh, because of my studies, yeah, I was thing, finished. Yeah. I wanted to become an architect, so yeah. I moved to Rotterdam, of course, the city of architecture in the Netherlands. Um, I did, yeah. uh, did study a little bit, but soon, soon I found out that it wasn't really for me. Um, and then I f just free-floated for about like a year, year and a half. I just made some music in my little attic. Um, at the time, I was actually living across Jeroen's studio. Yeah, so like, every, every time I walked out the door, I saw yours behind <laughs> the Mac uh, okay. screen. Yeah, yeah, it was very yeah. funny. And I saw him getting into like his uh, uh, vintage Mercedes. I, of course, I knew who Jeroen was uh, because I loved his music from before. Um, I was I was just making my my music on my uh, my computer just for yourself just for myself yeah. I was just you know I was really just doing my thing trying to get to know uh, my sound and and a computer and synthesizers and well, everything What were your heroes uh, during that My heroes days? at that time well Jeroen definitely was one of my heroes with his like uh, secret cinema stuff at the time yeah. his point blank um Manx theme track which is one of my favorite techno tracks ever and um, Carl Craig was one of my heroes, Jeff Mills, Derek May, yeah, yeah, like yeah, all yeah. The, the classic guys yeah, from Detroit, yeah, yeah. mostly. Yeah. So um, you were into techno? I was really into the, techno, yeah. yeah. To be honest, at, the t at that time, techno was in a really good place. Yeah. I was speaking about 2000, just before it went kaboom, yeah. um, in, in about 2003 and four. Um, because of minimal, you mean? Or? No, because because it got harder and harder. Kind of what's yeah. happening. But two thousand was like at this point when we was playing one hundred forty BPM. I yeah, think already, already. Yes, yeah. including myself. But yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was normal. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, what was the question again? Well, the question is, but but you're building up. It's great. Um, what was your first release? My then? first release. Yeah, I, I think I was quite a lonely guy at that time, and um, I didn't see many other people except Jeroen getting into his car <laughs> and into his studio. <laughs> Being on the um, phone. <laughs> I, I did, it was kind of, kind of hard coming in as a 20, 20 year old. No, I was 23, I think at the time into a city where everyone had their, like their spots, P DJs were playing their, their gigs. They all did their own parties. There was no way you could just come in and like 
you know no. get get any gigs it's just so i was just sitting at home without gigs i was a dj with a pretty good agenda in um a schedule in in enschede so i was just spending spending all my time producing and i had like a, a long list of tracks that i but started who was the person that gave you your first live gig wasn't that was uh gilbert yeah, yeah that's actually eva's, eva's brother who's eva's sitting brother, in the crowd he, he oh, and it's very okay. funny because we knew each other from the record store of course basic yeah. beat and then uh, he he was throwing a party you know yeah. uh, eva's brother yeah, gilbert yeah. and it was like you know yours i think you can be a really good live act and that okay so was his first first live yeah, yeah, yeah okay right? yeah, yeah yeah that was interesting i, I was it's it's funny this this shop had such, has such a significant meaning in rotterdam dance history ba basic beat basic beat because yeah, i was absolutely. there just record shopping absolutely, yeah i didn't have any money so i didn't go there often but when i did go there i tried to find some good records <clears throat> um and um gilbert evo's um, uh friend evo's brother was was around at the time he was he was just throwing a party um which was something with audiovisual and music together and i gave him his car because i gave my car to everyone i met which is only three people yeah but he was <laughs> the one that gave me a call back saying like oh can you play a live live gig so i did um so that was my first live set yeah um, this is so funny right just out of the blue i think you can do it yeah and then it happened <laughs> Exactly, yeah. Really and cool. then three years later, I actually met you for, for the first time because I was at Sonar 2005, yeah. Yeah. headlining between the Chemical Brothers and Jeff Mills. So that was quite a big leap from doing my very first, like only three years and in really between. Fast. Yeah, That's exactly, pretty insane. Yeah. But um, short after this, um, I think I, I released some of my first tracks by giving people, like some local guys with a record label in, in Rotterdam. Uh, Sounds architecture? No, Joachim, there was, was someone else. Um, what was the label? Keynote. It was oh, okay. okay. Yeah, all very local underground. Um, Jeroen, can you take us back to what it was like in the early days? Because now, of course, electronic dance music or dance or house, whatever you call it, is, is, is pretty big. Everything's well organized. But during the beginning, of course, it was all new. What can you still remember of that time? Well, yeah, a lot. I mean, you know, I, I used to do, uh, th there was a party, it's called uh, Give the Lord a Hand Clap. So it was named actually after that track that I yeah. made, that Mank Syndicate track. Yeah. And then I just had that Amiga computer, of course. Um, but they asked me to do a live set. Uh, so yeah, the live set was basically me playing a track from that Amiga computer and then... <laughs> okay waving to the dj <laughs> <laughs> and then he mixed in another vinyl and then i could load in another track wow and that was basically my live set you know so it was and, and nobody even <laughs> no. knew what was going on you were and there like, and the music sounded so great. you could yeah, basically yeah. do whatever <laughs> wow and it, yeah it, it all worked <laughs> you know and yeah over the years it became also professional but uh yeah, I mean, the first tracks, they were so mixed bad with a lot of uh, mid-tones. And I don't know, I've, I've seen a lot of stuff, yeah. uh, obviously, that yeah. was crazy. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it, you know, I was lucky that with the sound that came out of that computer, which was just 8-bit, uh, that people were, you know, not so knowledge about, uh, you know, how it should sound. It was just overwhelming on the speaker and therefore... Yeah, I, I could build a career on that, yeah. you know. Now I could never do that again, you know. But I was just lucky that it was there when it all just started, you know. So, yeah, I don't know. Just developed into uh, to what it is now. Is and, yeah. But did you feel uh, uh, the pressure at any time? Because, well, the, 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 the Mang Syndicate was really a thing. And, 
Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, Michel de Haye was, uh, he was also working at Meta yeah. and he's a good friend of Wildstock, of course. And uh, yeah, one of his favorite tracks was also that, uh, that Meng, Meng Syndicate track. And then, yeah, we got to know each other. And then I uh, gave him some demos because he said, you know, I'm going to start a label. And uh, it, it was a really big uh, distribution uh, company. I think it was BME or something oh, or yeah. whatever. And um, I, I gave him some tracks and um, yeah, he wanted to start his own label. And then it fell apart because that uh, that company went bankrupt. Uh, something with Arcade, oh. you know, all oh. that kind of, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't yeah. know, crooky uh, stuff, uh, Hillary Clinton shit. <laughs> no, but, uh, and then, uh, yeah, it didn't happen. And then he started his own label, which is EC Records. And then I was uh, working at Hot Sound at the time, at the record store. And he came by and I uh, showed him the demo, Timeless Altitude and also uh, that Manx team. Yeah. And he said, wow, okay, I'm going to start a label just for this track, you know, and that was point blank Manx team. Yeah. And then from then on, you know, we became really good friends and uh, he was basically the DJ and I was the producer, yeah, so, exactly. so, so to say. Yeah. And I, I really also didn't want to be DJ because, you know, I felt like, okay, I want to produce music and I want to show people that you can put that live on stage and all that kind of stuff. It took a couple of years before I really had a solid uh, thing going on, you know, like 96 or something was my real uh live set where everything was flowing into each other but the first live set i ever did was with dimitri and derek may uh in the olympic stadium actually. oh wow yeah and then uh yeah i played uh you know with the courts wow and it was really yeah. really live that was but, but 94. what was the work around then with uh, michel de hay because uh, for people who don't know he's a famous uh, dj from holland yeah um, was he more like he, he played your stuff and he was, uh, for, or was he also in the studio saying, okay, uh, do the bass a bit louder or? No, not at first. Uh, first he was the DJ and yeah. then they would do some parties and then he would invite me to come and then, you know, we would party. And then I, you know, would ask some records that he was playing like, okay, what is this record? And what is this record? And then, yeah, he's like a living library, you mm -hmm. know, so he, he knew all the classics also because yeah. he was really scratching yeah, and all the yeah, kind of yeah. stuff. So he knew all those R&B tracks and, and, you know, also where the originals are from, yeah. the Jimmy Castor bunch and all that stuff. And then I heard one track with a, a kind of saxophone sample and he said, yeah, yeah, that's Jimmy Castor bunch. And then I went into it. And I was like, okay, that's pretty cool, actually. And then I heard Watch Me Now, did which did I did knew did did already from Ultra Magnetic MCs, you know, because I was a big hip, uh, hip hop fan uh, Oh, they before. sampled it as well. Yeah, they sampled it as well. Oh, yeah. And then Run yeah. DMC uh, sampled, do -do 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 -do, yeah. you know, Peter Piper. Oh, that's Peter Piper. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, yeah, that's basically Bob James, uh, Take Me to the Mardi Gras, and then start digging. And then, you know, I made this little uh, bootleg uh, just to, uh, because, you know, Dimitri is the big hero, yeah. you know, and all the other other DJs wanted to be like Dimitri, Absolutely. Marcello, uh, yeah. name yeah. them all. Yeah. And then there was Sunday night at the IT in Amsterdam. And then, uh, you know, they would play and blah, blah, blah. But there was this one track, Double D, that had that rhythm. And it was the Watch Me Now rhythm. Everybody was looking for that track, but I had it on vinyl. So I thought, okay, let's sample it. And then I put the Jimmy Kesterbunch sample on top of it. And then we made a dub plate just to basically fuck a little bit with Marcelo <laughs> to show him, okay, I've got the track, but I also actually sampled it and, uh, you know, and then he listened to it on the dub plate at the club and yeah. we're like, 
what the okay let's play it you know and then they played it and then the whole crowd and went crazy there. and then yeah we were yeah. there because oh, we went wow. on sunday night like yeah, hey yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. we got a little demo for yeah. you you know and then wow. it was like what Yeah, in the end, uh, it, it came out. And then there was this Paul DeLille show, a kind yeah. of talk show. And then they had DJs there. And it was DJ Jean and Marcelo. And then Jean played it at the, at the last track. So two million people heard okay, it. Okay, then. So and then, then it, hit, it became yeah. a radio hit as well. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. And uh, for you then, Joris, what were uh, the, the DJs um, you liked? Because you just told you, you started as a DJ. Kind of, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I mean, I started um, as a DJ at when, when I when I start, started studying in Enschede. I, I started, I think, at the opening week for the new new year. I I, I brought a few CDs and it's I played big, one track uh, after another. Student city? No, not yeah, big student city, but yeah. like just for the for like five people in oh, the okay. crowd, I played a few things, <laughs> and then then I. Um, for some someone in my in my class just knew I love music and he's like oh there's a local DJ competition why don't you just send in a, a cassette tape so I did I, I literally in my in my I had two CD players um, and I just and a, and a cassette deck yeah. so I just recorded like I don't know like uh, 45 minutes of uh, of music together it was there was no mixing there was nothing no. it was just triple okay. mixed with chemical beats and jungle trance okay, drum and bass okay, whatever okay. you call it. Anyway, I, I, I kind of did the same thing when I entered the competition. For some reason, they picked my cassette. Um, maybe because it was one of these pop venues in the Netherlands that, you know, had their dance night on, on a Thursday. They, they picked me. I kind of won the competition together with someone else, a friend of, who is now a friend of mine, Edwin Osterwall. That's how the whole DJ thing started running for me. At the beginning, I was still playing my very first real gig. I played just the CDs, but then I started buying vinyl right yeah, away. Yeah, okay. But I was thrown into the deep, kind of, you know, just playing for like 100, 200 students every Thursday night. And it was uh, your name, Joris Forn, or did you have a I fantastic think it was DJ Saint, name? DJ Saint Joris in the beginning. <laughs> DJ Saint Joris. Yeah, I was thinking because that was. Yeah, the you have to start low a little every, bit. <laughs> yeah, started I thought I was pretty Saint good. Saint so. Joris. Oh my um, God. So that's, the, the, the ST uh, went quite, quite quickly, and then it was just Joris. And then I think later on, um, much, much later, uh, maybe when I did my first, when I was going to do my first release in 2002, I think I, I called up Darko Esser from from uh, Don Rocha and I said, Darko, I'm I'm doing a release soon. What should I do? What kind of name should I use? And yeah. he said, like, oh, just use your own name. So like, okay, I'll use my own name. Um, so it then it was yours, Warren. But uh, yeah. which is great. Which I don't is, know. Uh, I, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't really change anymore. So no, it's a bit weird if you call yourself Saint George. You can't get now. rid of it anymore. <laughs> no. Um, what was for you, yours, the moment you really thought? Uh, because, well, as you mentioned, you were struggling a bit with the study and uh, being architect. No. Uh, when was the moment you really knew? Because uh, you you were getting money and uh, there the, the were releases. Okay, um, this is my job. This is this music is my life. I think this. Um, I got in contact with uh, with a guy from Paris uh, who was part of Technasia. He was Charles Siegling. He was part of Technasia, and Technasia at that time was uh, really big in techno. I yeah. loved their music, yeah. uh, really, uh, really amazing. And and he kind of took me under his wing, which I really appreciated. He okay. really talked to me on like a one on one level. Something you ruined it as well, by the way, uh, which is really important. You know, when you when you're just a rookie and you're just coming new to the scene, it's very nice to have people that want to talk to you like on a 
and have like real interaction about the music. So he took me under his wing and um, he said, we're going to do an album for you on his record label at the time. Um, I was still working at a company, uh, a record, uh, no, sorry, uh, an architecture company at the time. And at some point I was working like four days. I was earning 700 euros and I was like, oh man, this really sucks. And I because was, you really finished that story, study? I did study, and, finish and, my study, yeah. Oh, yeah, wow. Did, yeah. With Rem Kohlhaas, by the way. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think he was the reason I decided I didn't want to be an architect. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which I completely understand. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yes. Um, but then I was earning, I was getting a few gigs and at some point I was like, oh, you know what? I'm just counting like my monthly yeah, costs. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I might have a shot at this if I, if I put in more time yeah. and I go full time for music. And I, I just did. I work. I lived uh, anti-squatting at the time. I was paying 100 euros a month on okay. living costs with a friend of mine. I had a big studio space. It was amazing. Schiedam, I, no? Yeah, Schiedam, close to Rotterdam. I didn't have any any costs what, for the rest. So I was just like, I'm just going to try and make this work. But what was your family uh, thinking or saying? I think my family were quite open. My, both my parents are in music. My dad's okay. a composer. My mom was in uh, was a music teacher. So I think they were understanding. They were never like, you have to be a doctor, you have to be no. a lawyer, you have to be an architect, architect. you have to be whatever, you know. They were, they were very open. Okay. I didn't, uh, they didn't understand my music, of course, but uh, yeah, no. that's a different discussion. And for you, Jeroen, uh, was there, uh, how, how, how was your family dealing with the fact that you w yeah, went into music? Well, actually, um, well, you know, my, my dad died when I was uh, really young. So okay. actually uh, he died, maybe three months before I released my first record. Oh. Um, you know, of course, he wanted me to finish school and all that kind of stuff, but I never really connected with school or any kind of, uh, you know, upper society stuff. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so in the end, um, you know, it was, of course, very sad, but also it helped me to do whatever I wanted to do because, you know, he was struggling his whole life uh, trying to get some money so that and stressing out, to do which you, actually yeah. killed him, I think. And then, you know, that showed me, okay, I, I just want to do what I want to do. Yeah. And then, yeah, the, this music could just, yeah, it, it showed me uh that i can be myself and i can make a living out of it and that gave me so much you know like motivation to make it work um but yeah i was lucky that my first record it sold instantly like twelve thousand vinyls or something and then the second one uh and then the other one uh, three hundred thousand so yeah i could i could live basically from releasing music yeah um yeah so you know my my mother of course was yeah, like working on, on being alone. Uh, but my mom also helped me into uh, uh, investing in, oh, you know, great. like, okay, I need this synthesizer. And Peter Slaghuis also invested yeah. in me. And, you know, with a lot of uh, crying, pushing, and uh, have, <laughs> being very angry, <laughs> I say, uh, okay, uh, F-U-C-K uh, school. And I'm just going to do this because I know it's going, going to work. I just felt it 100%. And yeah, yeah. this is how it went. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm lucky that, you know, I, I held on to it. Always follow your dreams. Yeah, and passion, you know, yeah. everyone else around me was believing in it also. And yeah. Michelle really loved all the music yeah. and all those guys, you know, I, I got a lot of feedback uh, from all those DJs at that time. Yeah. And 
Yeah, it was yeah. like a family and, and it still is, of course. I, I, can yeah. I can agree his mom is very supportive because even though I met her only once, sometimes when I'm on Instagram, she posts like something very supportive on my post. Which really? Is yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, wow, that's so funny. Yeah, yeah. that's oh. funny. <laughs> Mrs. Fry. Yeah, oh, wow. yeah. She's my biggest fan for yeah. sure. Oh, that's yeah. great. <laughs> so in the end, she's very, very proud, but it, of course it was a struggle. Yeah. Not to say, because, you know, I was also in the last moment of getting drafted. So this was the last year that they would ever do, you know, like military service. And they really wanted to get me. And I actually used my mom to get out of it. Like, okay, mom, you need to tell them that you're you're a complete psycho and that (laughs) I need to take care of you. And they seriously came to my house and interrogated my mom until she completely broke down into nothing, you know? Wow. And then, okay, well, thank you, mom. <laughs> and that worked. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. it was like, okay, yeah. guys, it's the last year. Insane. Seriously? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah okay. That, that was even more motivation. Wow. Know? Like, huge middle finger. I mean, defend the country, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's talk about the music. I ask you guys to pick, and that's always a hard thing, uh, five of, uh, yeah, the, your favorite classics, who gave you, uh, which gave you inspiration or, or well, were... Uh, well, very big for you. Um, so let's start with the first one of you, Joris. Yes, I, I think one of my very, very first absolute favorite tracks must be uh, Robot Man, um, Do Da Do. And Got to Do Do Do. Yes, Got and that's the Richie Horton remix, like the Acid version. This track also taught me about how you can, with the most minimal ingredients, build something that lasts for 10 minutes. It's a track that's 10 minutes. I'm sure it was recorded in just one go, no edits, Uh, just building up um, two, three or threes at the same time and a little rhythm going on top of it. And it's very hypnotic, big drum roll break in the middle. And um, it's it's one of these tracks that really sucked me in and, and kind of taught me that patience in techno music is something that is rewarded if you listen long enough and it's also the the, the you tension. mean with patience like building up yeah, for a long te- time yeah, yeah exactly and this this i mean to reflect a little bit on what's happening nowadays it, it's something that i've that i'm struggling with these days in music when in my dj sets but also in producing that i sometimes wonder like oh something hasn't happened in the last three seconds let's do something you know <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. but actually that that track and many of these early early tracks uh, from those days are really about the tension and the fact that nothing is really happening just yeah. a tiny little bit of filtering of the of the sounds is actually what makes you fuck with your head you know and that's that's that was really essential and this this track is something i love forever for that What Joris is actually explaining is also the meaning of my name, Secret Cinema. So that, you know, it's just enough music that, like, touches okay, your that's, that, inspiration. Okay, that's why it's called Secret Cinema. So you start seeing images your in your mind that movie. only you can see. Oh, wow. Just because the music gives you just enough, so you can still use your own fantasy to fill it all in. What a great... I I, I thought it was had to do something with porn or with... Uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what I thought in Las Vegas as well. Yeah, exactly. But it has some, some uh, timeless attitude vibes uh, as well in it. 
Yeah, well, you know, uh, Richie Holtin made this X mix uh, compilations, yeah. and uh, yeah, Timeless Altitude was in there also. Okay. Well. We also asked him to make a remix of it, and then after three months, he said, "I can't remix this track; it's already too perfect." So it's a good compliment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I uh, don't want to brag or something. No, no, no. Well, uh, the, well. <laughs> but I still want to brag. <laughs> yeah. Is well, actually, I, I, I was thinking, is is uh, what's your biggest hit? Um, yeah, that's a difficult one. Actually, the funny thing is that Marigold Wild probably my biggest hit, but it's also the biggest Dutch kind of hit. It's not yeah. really global. Okay. Uh, but you know, Timeless Altitude is much more global, globally respected. I guess. Yeah, yeah. You know. It's called Timeless Altitude, and I still play it sometimes. So I guess it's all in the name. Yeah, yeah. I made, I made an edit of Marigold Wild. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think we've been speaking to spinning about releasing it or something, but uh, for some reason it just never happens. Oh, but I like I I always love playing it at my Dutch gigs, you know, because everyone knows it. Yeah. So it's always like, wow, this track, you know. When yeah. I play it like across the border, nobody gives a. No. Fuck. Yeah, it's so weird. <laughs> yeah. Still, people love it because it's a great track and it's a great theme, but. Uh, it's it's not it doesn't have this like okay yes we know mm. this track yeah. but looking forward to your own uh, version then okay well it's a couple of years old now like six, okay seven years <laughs> yeah old. yeah and you made it in the plane or something yeah, I right did. oh wow <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay Who, who's uh, that guy from the goede doel again Henk Bersbroek yeah exactly so uh, yeah I, I, of course I try to forget forget his name but he said you know the best hits are made in 15 minutes this oh, yeah, one yeah. in five yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> okay uh, so yeah one, one of my tracks yeah, probably exactly. well the yeah. first one I already mentioned of course that was that amnesia ibiza yeah. track yeah ibiza. what 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 is so special for you about well it? yeah because it was my first electronic dance music experience and also my first mdma experience probably oh okay um so yeah that, that whole <laughs> euphoric uh, combination of things uh, made me uh, into a career and uh, yeah i i don't want to say that techno and uh, that kind of stuff is related but for me it definitely is um but uh, yeah so the the one that really blew my mind was for me stacker humanoid i think so uh, what do you think Sorry, what? It's, it's still it's still a weird track but it's you know i didn't i this this was not on my radar when i was uh, when i was 10 okay for some reason yeah it's like 88 or yeah, something it's yeah, funny yeah. when i listen to it now it sounds pretty much like uh like in retrospect, the the first Camper Brothers album is kind of a copy of yeah. this. Yeah. But then a bit more organic sounding, a bit more like a band sounding, but it's literally the same thing. Even the higher state of consciousness. Yeah. It's kind yes. of the same thing, even Wink. though it's just, yeah. it's just a three or three. But um, yeah, it's a, it's a shame. It just sounds a bit too too messy, and it's just too many yeah. things on top of it. Yeah. Like it's not focused. There's not really like one thing that makes it work. I can imagine that if it's ninety, when is this? Eighty seven, eighty eight. Yeah, if, 80, you're, 80, if you're in a club somewhere and you've never heard anything with a no. 303 and a 909 before, you like fucking blows your mind. Yeah, but that's funny because a lot of those uh, classics, even from from guys like Dimitri and Eric Noan, if you hear those records now, it's <laughs> yeah, it's so weird because there are <laughs> that's Hagelslag. It's like techno. it's like six <laughs> records in one. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's insane. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, what's your second? Uh, oh my god! Uh, oh, yes, well, I'm. Um, I put them on a stick somewhere, but um, 
I'm, I'm just going to go with Jeroen's track. Uh, not because he's a good friend only, but also because I, I deeply, deeply love Meng's theme uh, by Point Blank. I don't know why he chose a different name every single time he released a record, but he did. It was the way it is. I guess back in the days. Um, but any regrets? Because I talked to the guys of Chocolate Puma, who, well in retrospect uh well they because they are they, they was clutch in a good man yeah, i made music with them as well yeah but so it isn't really smart to do everyone was doing that even yeah. orlando my name namesake uh, he did the same he had too many names like if you yeah. if you go to discogs and you look at all these these <laughs> yeah. 90s guys it's like yeah. Yeah. Many a lot of names, names you know it's like yeah, oh yeah, my god yeah. It's basically um, every style had an o- another name. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Track sounds a bit different. Oh, let's use a different name. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a funny story because I was playing live in uh, Ibiza a couple of years ago yeah. and there was this drum code room and Adam Bayer was playing there, of course. And then I did a sound check and they came in also early. And then I was sound checking Point Blank, Mangsteen, the track Yours is talking about. And he was like, wait a minute, is this your track? Is this your track? I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's my track. Man, this track made me go into techno. I can't believe that it's you. And what? And what? Can I remix it? So yeah, basically, I made Adam uh, buy a techno. Are and you, you happy even, about it? No, no. You even made it. But he called it trance, actually, which is kind of funny. A trance? Yeah. Okay. And you made a remix. I uh, made a like... remix, but um, I think this this track was part of the part of um, a compilation on RNS Records called. Um, uh, In order to dance. In order to dance. Yeah. In order to dance five, which is an iconic compilation. Yeah. Um, at the time, I didn't really realize that because it was all new for me. But uh, this was one of the tracks that really stood out. Uh, other tracks on the compilation were from uh, from Carl Craig or uh, Aphex Twin or CJ Bolland, any of these guys. But this track, I remember like listening to this, and it was there was something very dreamy about it. And again, what really struck me was the fact that things there's just not much happening. No, but things. Um, build up and build up. It's the same what he just said about stacker humanoids, like things just build on top of each other. And there was not much arrangement going on. It was just like things on top of each other. And yeah. you just needed the patience to listen to the music and you will you were going to get rewarded yeah. because at some point Every, something yeah. was going to happen. Yeah. And that ex- that kicked in extra because nothing happened the whole time. Yeah. And and this in combination with the, the beautiful melodies, um, it was really striking at the well, time. Well, it's funny because the, I made the track uh, also in one take. Of course, I had the whole idea already arranged, and then I had this uh, sequencer, MPC 3000, and a Kurzweil where the, the, the chord is coming from. And then while I was sequencing the track, I thought, man, I think I need to play another melody on top of it. Okay, let's just play it. <laughs> so I played it completely unsequenced, and there is also a false note in there, which n- nobody ever, t- you know, talked about but yeah so while the sequence was running and i was recording i was like okay oh yeah yeah it's string (laughs) you know and then yeah that became the track and then yeah i i sent it to rns and they invited me immediately and then misha was like i'm not gonna lose you now already right i'm not gonna lose you now you know and then yeah i mean in the end we stayed together we were good friends of course but it was really fun to be at renat in the studio and uh you know talk about stuff and we still have contact actually okay i wonder what would have happened if that was would have been released on rns yeah exactly i think it could have been could have made more than it it would have made me probably more into a legend uh, that people know than the legend that people don't know (laughs) Huh. The hidden gem from <laughs> Amsterdam. Yeah. Oh, it makes okay, so much uh... money. <laughs> <laughs>
Do you still uh, use it uh, during live performance? Uh, no, uh, sometimes I play it. Yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah, we did a remaster and yeah. uh, we also released it on Yoris label. Um, yeah, so we pitched it down a bit, 130, and um, yeah, it, it sounds much better. How was now. it for you to to uh, well to see uh, the, the the fame of uh, Yoris growing? Because well, uh, like you guys mentioned several times, you saw each other walking yeah. in 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 Rotterdam, and and at a certain point, well, yeah, uh, yeah, Joris. yeah. I mean, Yoris exploded, and yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I was looking at it, and I was like, why? <laughs> obviously no but uh, i am all making all these classics and this guy's playing all over the world yeah i don't know you know i know yoris had an underlying uh foundation of having a family around him that made music mm -hmm. and that that is in his blood and i think people you know no matter what style of music you make will hear if you have that kind of uh, expertise about notes chords whatever even if you sample something people will hear it i can, I can interrupt for a moment because i think the the, the the track that we just heard i think that that is the perfect example of that the fact that you have that yourself yeah well you know i mean yeah well really yeah i think these chords and everything yeah yeah okay well thank you um <laughs> but um, you know i don't know it's funny that i i always kind of stuck around uh, the fact that dj michel was playing my music yeah and i was playing live yeah and uh, you know i i won't say that that kept me uh, you know more more grounded but i also don't know why yours was already flying mm. around all over the no, place but that's, that's, while, that's while another I was time still, you because know. well even michel uh, uh yeah he's like a founding father uh, but well yeah it's uh, just a couple of years difference nobody but, you no, know uh, it, it gave the opportunity exactly. to yours to be able to to fly around and for me it was still weird to do that kind of stuff yeah or something yeah, you know yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. But, of course, I was really happy that yours yeah. was uh, having so much success. But also, I had to get used to it. Like, okay, where is this coming from? Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah it's, 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 uh, it's always like It was that. another time. Was it, yeah. was it, uh, what's, what was your breakthrough, yours? Was it the, the illicit? Uh, it was, no, it was incident. Yeah, incident. incident. Oh, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Funny thing is that, um, I don't know if I should, should say, mention this. Okay, <laughs> now you sh definitely should. Okay. <laughs> Because uh, because you you and me uh, had been knowing each other, he basically knew me before I had released anything, before I was anyone yeah. in the music world, um, and I was sitting in his studio, which was like 50 meters away from my house. There was a big, big, uh, very ha uh, traffic-heavy road in between, but um, I was sitting in his studio with all his big stuff. It sounded amazing, and I was like, "Mister uh, arrived at it," you know, like. Mm -hmm. And I was just showing him my crappy sounding demos. Uh, and a few years later, I was uh, I was actually on the same stage with him, and we were sharing, uh, you know, so many things. And then I remember one time he said, "You know, maybe I should make a, a piano hit as well, or something." <laughs> I don't know if you remember this. I think we were both like kind of like <laughs> off our heads in a in a in a party somewhere listening yeah. <laughs> to, to Richie Horton playing or something. You know, and you have the, one of these moments and. I think Jeroen once said, you know, like, oh, maybe I should just make a piano <laughs> because I because that incident track. Yeah, there was a, I sampled uh, Kevin Saunderson's um, uh, one of his remixes, one of his one of his tracks, and put that in 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 one of my own tracks. Yeah. Basically, basically the same way that Jeroen made yeah. many of his many of his early tracks as well. 
And that became that completely blew up. Um, and it was on uh, Carl Siegling's label. Yeah, it's also Technasia's uh, label. Yes, Technasia. So that, that was the that was the that was my big breakthrough. That actually got me to play, you know, in between Chemical Brothers and Jeff Mills on the main stage of Sonar. <laughs> Now, because you say it, uh, now now I hear the sample. Is it the, the release project Color of yes, Love? Yes, you're right. Oh, yes. wow. <laughs> Never knew. Because, but, but Strange exactly, spotting Gil. No, yeah. no, but you mentioned Kevin Sanderson and, and now... That's I, the one. I, I kind of felt guilty at the time, but we, we cleared the samples. Oh, okay. It's all like, he's in the credits and everything. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, like it, it did create the biggest hit. Like Carl, was, Carl Cox was playing at every set that, that whole summer. He, he closed... Um, uh, Dance, dance valley with it um and the funny thing is it was just a sample i, I bought the record once uh on the flea markets like five <laughs> years before that i had i had i took this piano riff because i liked it yeah it was on my computer and one day i was like oh i, I was made, working on this track which had a santana sample please beep that out because I don't want to get sued. <laughs> <laughs> like the little organ. I was like, oh, it's a really great riff, a really great sound, but something's missing. And then I just went through my samples that I recorded and I just put that on top and I was like, oh, wow, this is one plus one is three kind of moment. Yeah. And then I released, uh, I, I sent it to, uh, to Charles from Technasia and he really loved it. His partner, who was the business guy, he said like, you know what, it's going to be a pain in the ass to get it like licensed. So why don't you just play something that sounds a bit similar or just leave it out altogether? I was like, oh, I can't do it. I tried it. Didn't work. So he was like, okay, let's, it's going to come out of your, your money, your royalties. Uh, we're just going to clear it. Well, we did. And it, to be honest, that really, um, that was released like just before my album at the time. Yeah. I think in combination with the album, that's what, what got me to the world stage. Yeah. What was... Uh, and of course you're still uh, rising and busy but if you have to mention a highlight of your career you know i think all my highlights were probably um i, I can mention one okay well i'll let a you highlight of yourself or, or uh <laughs> no or? no first yourself and then oh, okay. i can add something oh, okay. i mean I'm, I'm wondering what you're gonna say you know when you when you start when you're breaking through as an as a dj as an artist it's it's very it's a weird thing because you don't really know what hits you you know, like you're, you're playing, and I keep mentioning this to Sonar thing, because at that time, that was probably my biggest gig I've ever done. And I, I, didn't, I didn't even know what I was doing. Um, but still, I had to play for 10,000 people, yeah. you know, uh, at Sonar. And um, I think the same year I played in Japan for the first time, which was like, like a really big thing, you know, because Japan is like, wow. Yeah. It, unfortunately, it's not like that anymore. But um, I don't know, playing, I remember calling up once Jeroen like for because I was going to do an, an Awakenings New Year's Eve show and Rocco at the time he was playing paying me more than I was used to to get and I was like Jeroen should I do this and he's like yeah yours if you think you're worth the money you should just go play there yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like oh well I don't know I don't, that's there not was a good answer, answer. Then with the gas outer, or, uh... no this was at the NDSM, NDSM, NDSM oh okay, okay yeah okay yeah um so there's there's so many of these moments in the, in the, in your early years, especially if you go really fast, and it's you don't you're not really living it so much. No. Yeah. Um, okay, I remember one moment we were both together in Japan. Yeah, oh yeah. Now so that you, you mention go. it, and we were at Womb, and I think you played a set, and I don't know if I was also playing, but I was there, 
at least, and you were already with Shanti together. And then we, you walked down the stage, and we were in the hallway going up to the... And it was a really legendary place. You know, I, I cried two times during my sets there as well. And yours was in the hallway, and I bumped into him, and then he just bursted into tears. Oh, really? And he was like... <laughs> <laughs> it's just too much for me. <laughs> like yours, I understand completely what you're talking about. I because think this is one so... of those moments that you realize, okay, I'm in Japan. People loved my music. It's yeah. one of those places I've always wanted to be. Okay. And now I got there because of my music. And then you realize, okay, the only thing I can do is cry. You know, and yeah. that, that was, I think, this is, this is one of those moments that I can tell you. No, that, it's true. You know, yeah, I don't, I don't, I totally don't remember this, this moment, but <laughs> yes, I'm glad yeah. you do. Yeah. yeah. I remember I was very emotional for me. Um, also, my wife is half Japanese and I was with her at the time already. Um, okay. So, yeah, things, like, things add up, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we're still in the top five. I think we're at uh, number two or three. 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 Yeah. Okay. So, what's your third one? Uh, uh, setup system, fairy dust. Now, until this moment, I don't know how they made that sound. Otherwise, <laughs> then <laughs> starting maybe Dushifo. Uh, uh, yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I can come up with, you know. Oh, I'm in France. <laughs> but yeah. So, system, yeah. This was the period of. Of, uh, of you know time that you thought okay where are all these sounds coming from you know yeah. and yeah it, it, it's on par with Mantasm Joey Beltram I can quickly uh, For, play. Uh, yeah yeah of course I never heard this track by the way the setup system is famous no. no well I think I never heard it uh, for <laughs> quite some years now but <laughs> another one of those sounds yeah. in the club bass chords. You know, this really fired up Gabber. Yeah. So Joey Beltran was playing um, in a club called, I think it was called Tomorrowland, actually, oh. in, in Rotterdam. Yeah. And then I uh, had the, the, the cover of this uh, record, yeah. and I printed it on a T-shirt. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm a fan, <laughs> I'm a <boy>. fan. <laughs> yeah. Okay, great. So yeah, Mentesm. And the, yeah. you know, this was the period that you don't even know where all these sounds are coming from. And then, yeah, yeah it's like a Juno synthesizer and, uh, you know. And this, this kind of fired up the, the, you know, more hardcore scene and the more mellow scene. Yeah, you had to choose at a yeah. certain point. And was, I chose mellow. Basically. Yeah, there was a Dutch Me thing, too. I think. That well. was really a Dutch, thing, a Dutch yeah. thing. Yeah, kind of a Dutch thing, yeah. Insane. Yeah. If we, if we think about it right now, but uh, it was really a thing, yeah. Uh, what's your third one, yours? Oh, it's you know it's it's very difficult. I'm I'm thinking between I'm going to let you guys decide between Orbital, Halcyon, on and on, or Stardust. Fingers. Uh, oh yeah, Anyone yeah. Listening. Yeah. For Orbital or Stardust? Yeah, for uh, yeah for me, Stardust. Yeah. For I don't me. think anyone's listening. Oh. Um. Okay, hands in the air no, for Stardust. Yeah, yeah no, I'm going to well. go for Stardust. You know, okay. because let's uh, all the all the rest is from the 80s, so let's just. Do something relatively new. <laughs> oh, yeah. this is nineties actually. <laughs> I know. Yeah, um, so the, the it, music sounds better with you. Okay, and why uh, why uh, this one? Um, you know, we we can start. We can of course talk about the the DNA of house and techno, and this is. 
I think it's part of the DNA of house and techno. It's not from the 80s. It's not from the from 91. I believe this is 97 or 98. I don't know. Does anyone know? Do you, you uh, must know. Yeah, I think it's 98, 98 right? Yes. Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, the 90s for me are the, th this is the time that I started listening to dance music. When I listened to this for the first time, it was I was already far into my uh, local DJ career yeah. in uh, world famous in Enschede. <laughs> um, um, but this this kind of struck me like lightning. I don't know. At the time, I was like, ooh, it's, it's a little bit cheesy, like this vocal. I don't know about it. But I was really deeply into Filter House, like yeah. uh, Basement Jacks. I actually heard it before, like you were playing a playlist. Yeah, yeah, Fly Life. Uh, yeah. Fly Life was one of my fa very, very favorite tracks at the time. I couldn't find a vinyl for some reason. Yeah. Um, uh, and this track was... We we all had we already had uh, Def Punk's uh, uh, debut album, which was amazing, but maybe a little bit too different. Uh, this tra this track was like bringing kind of everything together, like low bit uh, sampling, but at a very high quality uh, level, uh, produced a, a, a musical uh, production level that is even to this day is 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 not met. No. Um, it's probably because the because the guys one of the guys' father was like a disco producer in the seventies. That's what I heard. This yeah, th this track is um, is just amazing. I don't, I don't know. I don't. I played it so many times at that time. Obviously from vinyl. Nowadays I still play it once in a while if I play one of my more mainstream accessible okay, shows. Okay, really? Oh. Yeah, I play it like well, I, I made my own edits. You know, like yeah, yeah, I, I, I extended some bits and made some other ones shorter. Made a bit of a break, you know, because at that time it was very, there was, people weren't really thinking about, oh, we need a hands in the air moment. No. So it was just, it was what it was, yeah. which is amazing. But what I still remember was that in the year uh, that, well, this was the summer uh, anthem, that, uh, for example, during Dance Valley, uh, where are several, um, yeah, kind of uh, tens with the, the, with a different style. Yeah. But, but this tune <laughs> wasn't all, uh, yeah. It was a, it was a big track, yeah. yeah. And I think to still to this day, it's it gets it 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 deserves all the kudos it got like over over time. It's uh, I think it's the best uh, disco house record ever made, and it's not gonna be it's not gonna get better from there. It was also released as a one side vinyl, right, on some casino yeah, one side, uh, label, yeah. just one side, boom. Yeah, yeah. they d also knew, <laughs> and this is gonna be. It was quite a thing, yeah. Yeah. Okay, uh, may the fourth be with you. What's the fourth one? Yeah, yeah. I, of course, obviously, I'm from the '90s, so um, yeah, I'll st I'll stick to that. But yeah, there's one track uh, that uh, Laurent Garnier was in the studio with someone else, and um, he the guy with a saxophone. Or let's let's <laughs> let's make some music, and it uh, doesn't have a saxophone. Oh, oh. I think I think he was always in the studio with someone else. I don't yeah. think he ever made anything alone. <laughs> Oh, this, yeah. This should oh, have been yeah. in my playlist as well. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the funny thing is that my wife, she has a, a blind cousin who is one of the most famous uh, opera singers in Russia. And like techno is not music. And then she showed this track. Yeah. And we're like, okay, techno is music. <laughs> You 
can't stop this, right? I right. mean, it's, 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 it's everything. It's beauty, love, remember it forever. Uh, it's it's Energy. MDMA. Yeah. It's euphoric. Yeah. It, it is what it is. You know, this is uh, this is music. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the fourth of. Uh, oh, the you. fourth. I'm also gonna choose this track. <laughs> okay, <laughs> <laughs> that makes it easy. <laughs> no, Play a bit more. <laughs> no, this 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 track for me also has a very special meaning. Um, at the time when I got into electronic music, I didn't have so much money, so I just went through like the, the all the sales. Uh, uh, boxes you know at the local record store and i bought a i love fuse a compilation cd which from was from the fuse club in, in brussels yeah and this track was on there together with a lot of amazing music and this was the one that 100 stood out and i listened to it over and over again and again you know there was something trippy about the music and something that took me to a much higher level than you know many other kinds of music uh, were able to do it before that so yeah that, okay. this track um yeah. okay then now let's do the, the orbital one because i think um first of all orbital for me have a very special uh, place in my heart as as, as a producer uh, band i think that track halcyon and on and on was another one of these tracks you know where you're like it just keeps going on and like on and on they, they made yeah. it for a reason <laughs> it's like 10 minutes long or something yeah. or, or longer and these strings and these vocal samples that are from Opus 3, I believe. Um, and this, this 909 kind of like DNA kind of uh, house techno sounds, just the same drum computer as we heard on, uh, on Asset Eiffel before. It's, it's just pure, well, you call it MDMA. I think my first MDMA experience was much after this, <laughs> after listening to this. We were together. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think so, no. <laughs> but um, yeah, this is just close your eyes and go on forever. Also, music like this has, has been imprinted in my mind and has kind of become the blueprint for music that I've made myself as well. Um, I actually met met one of the guys from Orbital this year for the first time. We had a, an amazing night in Ushuaia in Ibiza. He came to visit me uh, when I was playing because I'm making a remix for them for the box. Uh, I met him. He's one of the very nicest guys I've ever met, um, and I'm hopefully going to see them tomorrow play digital as well. Yeah. But this track. And you talked about this track uh, with him? Yeah, there's many things. You know, he's just one again one of these guys that are so that's so humble and so much full of like positive beautiful energy you know uh, I love that about dance music um, people are so accessible you know it's so yeah, nice when yeah, you meet yeah. people that they're just a human being you know they just made a record on, on their attic somewhere they weren't these guys making this track they weren't in a big studio somewhere else somewhere it was funded by a big record label they were just making this this small sampler yeah. and it's fucking 909 and they just made this track and it was nine minutes long because they had no way to make it shorter. No. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, then, and, and it basically all comes down to having goosebumps, right? Yeah. yeah and yeah, this is, you know, something that you said always. Uh, the track is finished when I have goosebumps. Yeah. And you're so right. You yeah. know, this is what it's all about. I, I call it MDMA. I call it Euphoria. It's basically goosebumps. Yeah. yeah. Okay, uh, and I know it's it's all uh, maybe tomorrow it's another top five, but it's time for um, uh, the last one. So you both 
can pick uh, one. And okay. at this moment, Jeroen is uh, searching on his uh, stick <laughs> yeah. because he told me before the recording I've got 15. I said, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, um, you know, it's always good to have a choice. Yeah, 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 that's true. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you mentioned, you mentioned already before Chemical Brothers uh, Prodigy. Uh, but before all that, there was Meat Beat Manifesto. Yeah. And they are my... He, Jack Dangers is my biggest hero of all time. He was sampling already when I didn't even know what a sampler was. And, you know, the Prodigy is basically based on what Jack Dangers already did. And I think this guy is the most underestimated producer in the world. Too soon. But he does, yeah. I don't know, one million things. Yeah. And there's just one track I picked out because everybody can hear that breakbeat which uh, Prodigy also used. So, um, and yeah, a lot of things are based on this breakbeat. I came from hip hop, so, you know, it, it touched my heart. Um, there we go. Yep. <laughs> Get what, the point. What's the name of this track? This is uh, Radio Babylon. From, oh yeah, this uh, Radio Babylon. Okay. Yeah, Midbeat Manifesto. Yeah. It's li literally sampled by Prodigy, right? Yeah, it's it Charlie. is completely it's, it's, copied it's by. Uh, up for like absolutely, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah. also by uh, the Future Sound of London. I yeah, think. exactly. Oh, yeah, 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 Papa, Papa and Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah because thing. before all techno and all that, there was this. Yeah. What year so, is yeah. this again? Great. Uh, this must be. I don't know. Eighty-eight, eighty-nine, or so. I think. Pretty amazing. Yeah. So, so yeah, for me, you know. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. The foundation. Yeah. yeah. What is the guy still doing now, you know? Well, you know, he he does, I don't know, a million projects. But uh, the latest thing I know is that he made a whole album uh, with a synthesizer, which there is only one of. <laughs> and he composed uh, music with that one synthesizer on top of a film. And that came out as an album. That's the last thing I know. Okay. Um, but yeah, he, he used so many names, Jack Dangerous, Media Manifesto, et, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. But yeah, he, I think he's the master of sampling. Yeah. So the last one for last you. Last one. I remember hearing Dave Clark's music for the first time. I you know whenever people ask me, what's your, and I get this question a lot, what's your favorite techno track? What's yeah. your, what, what inspired you the most? It's, um, I always have to go back to the moment that I heard Dave Clark for the very first time. And it doesn't really matter pretty much which one of his tracks. Um, I think at the time, VPRO was was uh, broadcasting a lot of his music, playing tracks like... Um, oh, uh, Red 2, definitely. That's the one I'm... Oh, uh, oh just, sorry, yeah, sorry. That's the one I picked. Sorry for spoiling. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> uh, Protective Custody as well. That's, oh, yeah. that's probably the, the actual actually the name, or Wisdom to the Wise. Protective Custody is Red 1, I think. Um, uh, South Sides is another amazing one. He Dave Clark, at, in his best times between 93 and 95 or 96... I think he changed the sound of techno forever. He kind of took techno, European techno, to the next level. Also by borrowing from Detroit techno and stripping it down to the very basics, which was just taking one sample of, of, um, of Kevin Saunderson and, just, and some of his grooves as well, and just making it fatter and fatter and stripping it from all the musical yeah. elements um, and making techno that was so hard hitting that we would never forget it. And I think this is also one of the blueprint techno tracks. Uh, I played at Tomorrowland this year. Um, 
And then afterwards, I was like, wow, this, you know, it's still one of the very, very best tracks in techno that you can ever find that will ever be made because it's, it's just not going to get better than this. And the people there, they, they still knew it? I have no idea. I think, I don't know. No. I mean, the, thing, the thing is, people are dancing to it. <laughs> yeah. They love it because <laughs> yeah. it is such a great track. Yeah. Um, and you don't have to do so much to it, you know, like you don't have to really make an edit. You don't have to make it sound better because no. it sounds amazing. I, I heard somewhere that he recorded it at uh, on, on cassette tape at the time. I don't know if that's urban myth or not, oh. but um, it's like like when you get to the nerd level of engineering, like every every range in the frequency is there, like from very sub to to the kick to the to the melody. Getting harder, and, and and for me, it's like a kind of a stereo feel where this exactly and you know like everyone's been like since that, no, yeah. everyone's been trying to emulate that the way he's done things the Phil Spector of techno <laughs> yeah. wow, well, wow I think at the time yes for yeah. sure 100% definitely um, and he did that with many of his tracks and I know for sure that he sampled a lot of it but you know we've been talking about sampling a lot and that's mm -hmm. that's one of the big inventions that cut techno to where we are nowadays Even yeah nowadays it's very impossible to, to any to type of anything. music basically Sorry, what you say? Yeah. And nowadays, it's nowadays, it's the, the sampling is, is is a difficult thing it's because of the music rights or what? Music rights and and other ways as well. You know, it's just sampling nowadays is not what it used to be. Okay, I think it, what, back in the days, in these when we're talking about early nineties, that was a wild west. You could just sample whatever you want, especially if you're an underground techno guy. Um, I don't think one techno guy was suing the other. I don't think Kevin ever sued uh, Dave over using his samples. No. Uh, they both had a great career, so yeah. Retu. Ah, great, uh, great tracks, guys. Um, and then the last question, uh, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the answer. Um, why is it that this little country in the west of Europe named Holland is like the biggest country in uh, dance world? you're asking the, the, the right question to the wrong guys <laughs> because because we're not the guys making the music that you're actually talking about no of course not but well we still well, are you know we, i uh, mean yours you played all over the world yeah what are we talking about no we are we are but uh i mean i, I think i have you but know have you, i, I have, have, have a, you a little thought answer. about it i have a little answer it's, it's, it's just an opinion yeah yeah you know but uh i mean this small country has been all over the world already since 1572, uh, yeah. I think. And, you know, this blood is still in us. And we just know that, okay, I look at the ocean <laughs> and I see <laughs> there is something that I need to explore. There is no mountain that blocks yeah. my view. You know, we have a social system that kind of protects you. We have... Rembrandt, we have Van Gogh, we have all that kind of art that we all adore and we all respect. And all those things piled up, you see that whole world in front of you with that water, you just want to go there and show who we are because we're so small and the world is so big. Wow, <laughs> that's a great answer. Well, uh, have you any idea, yours? I don't know if you ever thought about it. I don't know what I can Of course, there isn't that. a good answer. Or, but I'm so much more down to earth than you ruin sometimes. I mean, he's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, there, there, I can only mention one Austrian guy that looked beyond the mountains, but for the rest, I don't really know that many artists. Um, but I mean, to be honest, I think the music that really 
made Netherlands famous. It's it's not techno music. No, 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 no. It's not really. No. Um, no. It's 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 trans. Maybe people don't even know you're a Dutch guy. I don't know. Some well, most people know, but yeah, sometimes they're like, "Oh, where well, you're from? Uh, Sweden or something?" Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Okay. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's 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 the trans and then the, the EDM guys that really yeah. made Netherlands grow. You know. Yeah. But I do think that Netherlands has such a an open um, an open scene for music, an open interest. Like if you look at the Netherlands within in the close Netherlands, you know, like there's so many local DJs that actually don't play abroad. They maybe do two, three gigs outside of the Netherlands, but they are world famous in the Netherlands. They play every single weekend. I mean, one of one of the best examples is obviously Benny, yeah. Yeah. who until recently didn't really play abroad uh, because he's, he just doesn't want to travel. But um, <laughs> I think, he, like, he, you know, he, he is a prime example of what we have in the Netherlands, like a lot of really good quality, uh, highly talented people. But that, you know, um, and I'm talking to the, about the underground now because yeah. this is really where you and me are operating. Um, in the beginning, but in the, uh, yeah, yeah, in the beginning, but like uh, no, but we like this. The te- the we, we kind of grow with how it the, went. Yeah. It's the techno sound that we play, you know. Yeah, Even yeah. though nowadays I, I play many different things as well. Yeah, zombie um, nation. I think in and, and yeah, <laughs> I love that tracks. Yeah, um, <laughs> I, I think the, the underground for some reason has always had a bit of a um, a bit of a limit to it. If you look at Germany, if you look at the UK, if you look at all the surrounding uh, or a few of the surrounding countries, they've had DJs like progressing much faster. Like all the big, big DJs in techno the now techno world, are yeah, from yeah. either UK or or, or Germany, Germany yeah. or Sweden or yeah. Italy. You know, like Netherlands, there's, there's just not so many, even though we have the healthiest house and dance and techno scene ever. The one thing we don't really have are clubs and not that many festivals playing EDM or trance. No. So yeah. we have a yeah, really yeah. good scene here, but for some reason people are too comfortable. Not as, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. So all the all the EDM guys and the and the trance, they have a world they have the world yeah. as their stage. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So yeah. I don't know if that is an answer to your yeah, question. Yeah, that's a, that's a great but, answer, yeah. Well, you know, but I it think it's more like why Holland isn't that big in in, in <laughs> techno world. You know, you no, but a different it's, answer, uh, but Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, you know, I mean we are I mean obviously are party people. You know, I mean, there's 800 festivals with more than 2,000 people yeah. every year. <laughs> we only have 100 days of sunshine, so I don't know how that works. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe because of that. So yeah, look, look at ADE yeah. this year. Like, it's so many things. Yeah. Any year, you know, yeah. we have we we're hosting the biggest dance festival worldwide. We by far surpassed Miami. Yeah, yeah. Miami and stopped. Uh, even there's not even any uh, any. No. There's no no, no, no other competition anywhere. No. No. And this is what it comes down to. We just have a trade kind of uh, blood. You know, we we started traveling already quite early with boats yeah. and all that kind of stuff, and just stayed with us. So yeah, we we knew know how to organize. We also know how to deal with foreign people to keep everybody happy, yeah. and then. Yeah, I, I guess that is one main reason that we want to spread our sound. And then, yeah, I mean, EDM became really big, but mm-hmm. it's based on a techno track. Yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's strange to, to stability. Yeah. Uh, Jeroen, how do you want to be uh, remembered? Um, yeah. 
<laughs> I want time. to be remembered as uh, I think uh, the Mozart of techno and uh, the the. <laughs> no, I want to be remembered as the, the godfather go, of uh, techno music. The godfather of techno music from Holland. That's how I want okay. to be remembered. You already are, so don't worry about it. <laughs> no, no, and nobody knows about it. So, yeah, well, I don't know. I just I just want to be remembered like a guy that is really nice. <laughs> yeah, that's also. Um, <laughs> Not frustrated at all <laughs> <laughs> about other people's, uh, you know, uh, commercial success. And uh, yeah, I just want to be uh, who I am and uh, people that, yeah, I just want to be loved. Yeah, great. So. Same question uh, I think for we you. We all want to be loved in the end, right? I mean, um, I started doing music just for the love of it, and I'm still doing it for the love of it, even though sometimes. You know, you th you think a lot about how people are going to listen to it a, bit, a lot more than back in the days. Yeah. Um, I don't know how I want to be remembered. It's a, I probably I don't think anyone's going to remember me, to be honest. What are you saying? Yeah, now? that's that guy that yeah, made a really know, good like, sample from Kevin Sanderson. What, well, no. yeah. First of all, no. no one even remembers that track, you know, yeah. and that was a big hit. So I don't know. It's whatever and whatever is big the last no, five no. years. No, no. I mean, we're making music. We release it. We have vinyls. People are going to remember us. Absolutely. You know? I mean, there's, there's I no question about it. I going to send my vinyl into space one day and then but maybe yeah, someone will I mean, You want to be remembered as the person that gave someone a good feeling. That, yeah. that's I think basically that's, that's, that's actually... And this, of course, goes back to the title of your podcast. Can, can you, you feel, feel it? it? Can you feel it? Yes, we can. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. You look very... You're born. Founding Fathers. <laughs> and thank you so much for listening and for the great reactions. I was just checking the YouTube channel, uh, Music Express, which, by the way, is a great channel as well about uh, the history of house. He's saying, oh, I love the idea of an event of Can You Feel It? Yes, working on that. And uh, oh, I saw some great reactions about last week, uh, Feder Le Grand. There was a guy commenting here. Oh, he's my favorite DJ. I know he's a legend, but I don't know why. But now I understand and know how he pushed the whole dance music scene. Thank you, Lewin. Thank you so much. Always leave a comment under the YouTube video if you watch this and if you check this uh, through Spotify or iTunes. Uh, there you can leave a rating as well. So, next week. That's a great guy. In Amsterdam, Sander Kleineberg, the founding father of Progressive House. Check it out. Yeah.